Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning will be our text. We're going to study verses 1 through 13 together. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Have you ever had one of those moments, those experiences in life where it just seemed like things went from from bad to worse? You know what I'm talking about? Like those moments when uh, you're having a bad day, you're having a difficult moment, but then things just uh, get even worse and it maybe something takes a left turn or, or something unforeseen happens and it's a reminder in those moments to us that uh, that we are, that we are finite, that we are frail, that we, that we face hardship and deal with a lot of difficulty in this life. Even in this text this morning, Paul writes to Timothy about when things go from bad to worse in life. I think of one particular example in, in my own life. Uh, a little over a year ago, we had to make a difficult decision about a family pet that we had had for uh, years, 16 years, we had had this, this miniature schnauzer named Harley. It was our kid before we had kids. And uh, she had gotten really old and her health was declining. It really had declined. And, she, and, and for a long time, she kind of suffered. She was blind. She was deaf. She had lost most of her teeth. And then she began to like uh, wander into corners and wander around the house like she had no idea where she was. We figured out that it was essentially dementia that she had developed. I mean, it's like everything that could go wrong with the dog had gone wrong, right? And, and we kept thinking, oh, we know that it's probably time to have her put down, but it was a really difficult decision emotionally for us with the kids and, and all of that. So the day comes and, and we just kind of, we, we kind of reached the point where we realized, look, it, it's almost worse if we don't make this difficult choice because the dog is just suffering. And so, and so we do, and, and we were going to bury the dog in the backyard. We did bury the dog in the backyard on this particular day. And, and like a scene from a, a movie or something, no sooner do we go and, and we start to bury the dog in the backyard and the skies opened up and I mean, just buckets of rain poured on us, you know? So Pike and I are in the backyard and we're, and as if the day wasn't bad enough, now we're drenched to the bone and we're trying to dig a hole to bury the dog and it's filling up with water because our backyard is on a hill and so the water's running down the hill and filling the hole. It just it was this, it was like, just when you thought this day was bad enough on its own, things got worse. And, and it, it was one of those moments, those, those moments that I think of when I read this text, when things go from bad to worse and we have those experiences. You know, those moments are a reminder to us that we live in a broken world. And I don't have to, I don't have to go on and on to convince you of the brokenness in our world. Even as we begin to read in a moment, Paul's going to speak about some of the things that we, that we see, the brokenness in each of these things in our world. And as we reflect on that and we think of the, the, the difficult days that we live in, this morning's text isn't intended to make us focus on all of the bad and all of the trouble, but it's instead intended to help us see the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, or, or to see that there's hope in the midst of darkness and difficulty because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so even as we reflect on the, the dark days that we live in, I hope that today will not be a day that 
we walk away discouraged because of all the trouble that we have in the world. There's plenty of trouble. But instead, I hope we walk away encouraged that in spite of the trouble that we face, we have a Savior who is risen. And we know that all the trouble that we may endure in this lifetime is temporary. That it, eventually it will pass. It will end. And what will take its place will be a glory that will last forever, for all eternity, when Jesus comes again. And so let's let that hope shine through as we study this text this morning. Let's begin reading in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. I want to pause for a moment, and I want to, let's define what these last days are. What are we talking about last days? Some would read this, and they would say, well, he's talking about last days, so he's talking about the end times, right? He's talking about a day and an era that's to come someday when we know that it's in the end. Oftentimes in the Bible, we, we see references to last days. In fact, throughout the New Testament, there are numerous references to last days. In particular, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, as Peter and John stand up to preach at Pentecost, they quote from the prophet Joel about how the Holy Spirit would be poured out in the last days and that people would prophesy that, that there would be a movement of God by his Holy Spirit in those last days. When we understand the last days that, that he's speaking of here just means it's not, a, it's not a particular day. It's not that we should be looking for a particular sign that tips the hand that, oh, Jesus is about to return. That's not the last days that he's talking about here. He's talking about essentially the period of time between Pentecost and the second coming of Christ. So we rightly understand that all of these days, the days that we're living in and, and all the days from the time of the time of Christ's ascension to now and all of the days from this moment until Jesus returns again, that these are last days that we are living in, so to speak. Paul uses this term elsewhere, but in, in particular, he uses it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he writes something similar to Timothy about how we're to how we're to keep going, living in light of the hope we have in Jesus in these last days. Days. Okay, so these last days and everything that we're about to read about what's going to take place in last days, this isn't just talking about some things that we should be looking in when these things happen. Oh, that means Jesus is about to return. No, he's describing the trouble, the trials, the darkness in our world that will take place until Jesus comes and makes everything right. So in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I, I've always found it so interesting that in this list of sins, right? And pa every parent has used this one, I'm sure, right? In this list of all these other sins and all these other things that, that he includes disobedient to parents in the list. Kids, listen up. This is for you, right? Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Now that's quite a list of sins. That's quite a list of, of troubles that are coming, isn't it? And, and no doubt those were troubles that 
that they faced in, in the day and time when Paul was writing this to Timothy and in, in the church in Ephesus and really in all the world, those would have been troubles that they were dealing with. And, and it continues today. And sometimes there's a tendency in our minds to be a little bit narrow uh, a little bit narrow-sided and, and think, well, we're dealing with this now. And listen, there are a lot of problems in our world today that are unique to this era in, in the sense that, that what the advances in technology and, and, and communication and other things, this, this is an interesting time to be alive. But really, when we get down to the root of sin and the root of problems, people today are still lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, full of conceit, lovers of pleasure, and have the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Right? The same things continue to be problems that plague us now. He goes on to write this in verse 6. Among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in the mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from, all, from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. So Paul is describing troubling times, dark days, if you will, and the difficulty that believers face in light of the world around them. The difficulty that, that Timothy would face and really that, that all Christians would face in light of the darkness that exists in our world. And so we look at what was happening and, and we see from this list of sins and these, these troubling things, these dark things that were happening that really in every one of these is still happening today, isn't it? That we still face, and, and we might tend to think, well, it's worse now than it was then. I, I don't know that, I can, we, that any of us can speak definitively to that. We weren't around then. We are around now. There's a little bit of the tendency to think that it's worse now. And, and, and regardless, of uh, the, the point is these sins haven't gone away and I don't think they're going away, right? Until Jesus comes someday to make things right and to deal finally with sin. These are troubling times that we live in. And troubling times reveal a lot about the world around us. The truth is that troubling times reveal a lot about us as well, about what we believe and where our hope lies and what we are trusting in in this life. And so I want us to see three truths this morning about troubling times that we see in this text. And then I want us to see the hope, the answer that God has for us in the midst of these troubling times. The first thing that we see, the first truth about troubling times is this, that the truth is twisted in troubling times. The truth gets twisted in troubling times. 
in verse 5, Paul writes about people who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. They've twisted, they have manipulated the truth as a means for personal gain. They give the appearance of godliness. They act godly. They outwardly, they, they act like they believe and yet they deny the real power of God in their lives. Isn't that, that's a problem today. As much as it may have been a problem then, that's definitely a problem today that people have the appearance of godliness. The truth gets twisted in this. The truth gets twisted. People, people say that they believe something, but if you, were to, if you were to watch their life, if you were to watch their witness, you would be, you would be hard-pressed to find evidence of what they claim they believe in the way that they live. Troubling times reveal this about us. They reveal the, the truth about what we really believe. I don't mean what you just, what you say you believe, but what you really believe in practice. Troubling times will reveal where your hope lies. Troubling times will reveal what you are trusting in. Troubling times will reveal if you've twisted the truth somehow and are believing in a lie. So in troubling times, the truth is twisted. Not only that, in troubling times, we see that temptations will try to trap you in troubling times. We will face temptations that will try to trap us. In one commentary that I was reading this week, they were relating a story about a group of pastors who met with Rick Warren. Rick Warren is a, a well-known pastor. He pastors Saddleback Church in California. He's written The Purpose Driven Life. He's a well-known speaker, well-known author, well-known pastor. And this group of pastors were meeting with Rick Warren. And Rick Warren charged this group of pastors. He said, guys, there are three things, three reasons that that." Christians fall. Three reasons that Christians fall into temptation. And he described to this group of pastors that these were the temptations of narcissism, which in other words means that, that we are self-centered or self-focused. The temptation of materialism, that we think money or things is it. That's what will make us happy. Or he, what he described as the temptation of hedonism, that pleasure and the many forms that pleasure takes, that that's where the answer is. That's where hope can be found. And I think that's true. That is so true that, that if we want to try to take these sins and lump them into broad categories, right, that it would fit under these, these categories of narcissism or, or, or selfishness, that materialism and hedonism, Warren went on to say to this group of pastors that the answer is not found in narcissism, materialism, or hedonism, but the answer instead is found in humility. Humility is opposed to narcissism rather than being a lover of self that we would put others first. The answer is found in generosity as opposed to materialism. Rather than holding tightly to things, that we hold things with an open hand, we, we seek to be generous because God has been generous with us. And, and that the answer is found in integrity as opposed to hedonism. Rather than giving in to all of the pleasures of life, all the wants and the desires of life, that we would live lives of integrity, that we would, that we would be faithful in every area of our lives 
especially in those areas that no one sees. And when I heard that, I thought, man, that is, he, he's nailed it. How true that we live in a day when, when we find people chasing after all kinds of sins. And the answer for us is that we would live out our faith in a way that's real, that we wouldn't give in to the temptations that try to trap us in these troubling times, these dark days in which we live. Instead, we would live lives of integrity, that we would live lives of, of authentic, genuine faith, and that we would, that we would truly seek to integrate the teaching of Christ, the teaching of Scripture into every area of our lives. So we see that the truth gets twisted in troubling times. Temptations trap us in, t- in troubling times. But not only that, third, we see that your testimony gets tested in troubling times. Your testimony is tested. We will face hardships. We will face difficulties that are a product of the troubling times that we live in. We keep reading in Verse 10, Paul begins to write about some of his own experiences. He says, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, patience, love, and steadfastness. And then in verse 11, he says, you've also seen my persecutions and my sufferings. What happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra? In each of these cities, Paul faced great difficulty. Just in Lystra alone, for example, if you read in Acts chapter 14, Lystra, which is where... Timothy was from, Paul was stoned in Lystra. They, they stoned him until they thought that he was dead, and then they left him for dead. But he didn't die because God delivered him. And in each of these instances where Paul faces difficulty, where he faces hardship, his testimony was put to the test. Was he going to remain faithful and true in spite of his sufferings and his persecutions? Was he going to endure for the sake of the gospel even when times got difficult, times were tough and troubling? He did, Paul did, and he's urging Timothy here, follow my example, do the same, that you would continue, that you would endure in spite of hardship for the sake of the gospel. And so he, he says to him, and, and I find this to be so important for us to heed this word. This is such a needed word for us in the church today because he writes that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All, not some, Paul writes, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And our persecutions take different forms. I don't mean to say that any of us might face some of the same persecutions that Paul faced, for example. And your, your persecutions may not look like my persecutions. But this is such an important and necessary word for us today. Because there's this dangerous thought that is pervasive in the midst of an affluent comfortable culture of Christianity in America today that says that, listen, if you love God, everything's going to go well. And if you're having any kind of trouble, then it must be a sign that, that, you're, that you're not obeying the Lord, that you're not believing, that your faith isn't strong enough somehow. And that is just total garbage. That's, it's, it's a lie from the devil that says that, that if you love the Lord, you're not going to face any kind of difficulty and any kind of hardship. In fact, Paul says the exact opposite, doesn't he? All 
who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will face persecutions. We need to heed this word. Now, that doesn't mean that we run toward trouble. It doesn't mean that we seek it out and, and, and that somehow we wear that as a, a badge of honor somehow. Look, I, look at all these sufferings that I'm having. Looking at all these, these persecutions. That must mean that I'm really living for the Lord. That, that's not the answer either. But we don't run from trouble. Instead, we stand our ground. We stand up for what is true. There's such a need for revival in our nation today. Isn't there? There is such a need for a movement of God, a movement of the Holy Spirit, breaking us free from the, the constraints, the, the, the comfortable constraints of cultural Christianity that we live in. And I believe that more and more we're, we're going to find ourselves living in a day and a time when it will be costly to follow Jesus. And although I don't desire to go through hard times and difficulties... I think in many ways, it's exactly what I need. It's what we need to face so that our faith might be tested, that it may be proven genuine, that, that, we, might, that we might wake up and realize that we live in troubling times and that our testimony may get tested. But if what we believe in is genuine, it will stand the test of time. When I was thinking about all of this this week and uh, and, and kind of reflecting on the, the answer, the hope that comes from this. The, the, the answer for how Christians are to live in spite of troubling times, it, it just kind of came out in my mind and, 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 and poured forth on paper as I was writing this out. And when I was done, I looked at what I had written and it looked like a tongue twister, right? You think of a tongue twister like she sells seashells by the seashore, right? That sort of thing. The way that, the way that this just kind of came out as I was writing and, and, and crafting all of this, and I, and I looked back on it and reflected, and I thought, that's a lot of alliteration. And that's saying something for me because I love alliteration, right? I use it all the time. But it just sounds like a, a tongue twister almost. But still, I think hearing it this way is important for us because it, it makes it memorable. You need to remember this truth that even though we live in troubling times, even though we live in the midst of dark days, we don't have to be afraid of what's going on around us because Jesus took troubling times for us on the cross. And so remember this truth. Jesus took your greatest trouble so you could take on troubling times. Jesus took the greatest trouble of all when he took your sin on the cross so that you could take on troubling times in life. Jesus even says to his disciples, you remember this in John 16, that we studied this spring as we went through the, those last moments that Jesus shared? Jesus said to his disciples, you will face difficulty in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world, Jesus says. We can take on troubling times. We can face difficulty in this life because Jesus took our trouble on himself on the cross. He took your greatest trouble so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free. And now, because of what Jesus has done for you, you can take on troubling times. When you face difficulty, when you face hardship, 
when you face trouble, you can turn those over to the Lord. You can cast your cares on him knowing that he cares for you. You can cry out to God in faith knowing that Jesus hears your prayers and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He took your greatest trouble. So now you can take on troubling times. Look in verse 11. Here's the key. It's a, it's a phrase sandwiched in the midst of Paul's own testimony, of his own story, of how God worked and all that he faced and how God delivered him. But this phrase, I think, is the key to understanding this truth. He says in verse 11, the Lord rescued me from them all, from everything that, that he faced. Paul is saying there's not been a moment, not a story, not a situation yet, nothing I have faced that God hasn't delivered me from. And everything that he faced, even when people literally took him for dead, they stoned him to the point that they thought he was dead. They thought they had killed him. And yet God delivered Paul. What's more, Paul goes on to write that even if they took his life, that was okay, because then he would meet his Savior. He would receive the greatest deliverance, the greatest, the greatest blessing of all in that God would, God would deliver him from his sin ultimately, and he would meet Jesus for all of eternity. What do you do with a guy like Paul? You can't beat him because he just comes back stronger and bolder. You can't kill him because every time that you think you have, it's like God says, no, I'm not finished with him yet. You can't take his life because even if you do, he's going to rejoice all the way saying good because to be absent from the body is to be present with my Savior. Paul has the kind of boldness in his testimony that he was, he was ready to face troubling times. And we can be ready to face troubling times knowing that Jesus took our greatest trouble on the cross. So no matter whatever else we might face in this life, no matter whatever hardships or difficulties we might have to endure, we can face all of it because Jesus has overcome the world. And he gives us the strength to overcome as well when we trust in him. I hope that you will be prepared to face troubling times because you're not trusting in your own strength, in your own power, because you're trusting in the work of Jesus who took your greatest trouble, your sin on the cross so that you might be forgiven and set free. In a moment, we're gonna have a time of response, a time of invitation. And in this time of invitation today, I wanna encourage you that, you, that, that your, your faith would be renewed, that you would be, that you would be strengthened, that you would be encouraged to face the difficulty, the persecutions that you might be against in this life, knowing that Jesus took the worst of it on the cross for you. He took your sin on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And now because he has overcome sin and death, you and I can face whatever difficulty we might come against in this life. We can take on trouble because Jesus took our trouble on himself on the cross. And even as a response to him in this time of invitation, time of worship, I would encourage you you would renew your commitment, that you would say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, whatever it may come, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to difficult times. I'm not looking forward to, to my, my testimony being tested, but Lord, I'm ready because I trust in you, not in my circumstance, 
not in the things happening around me. Lord, I trust in you. Maybe you're here this morning and what you need is to surrender your life to Jesus. There's never been that time in your life when you called out to him as Lord and Savior, when you surrendered your life to him, when, you, when, when truly Jesus in, effectively took your sin because you surrender your life to him, because you, you've given it all to him and saying, Lord, I know that you paid for sin on the cross. Would you be Savior of my life? Would you take my sin and forgive me? And if that's you, then even in this invitation today, I, I hope that you would come. Our staff will be here. We would love to pray with you a prayer of faith, a prayer of commitment that you might commit your life to Christ who took your sin on the cross, that you might trust him by faith so that you can take whatever hard times might come in this life, believing that Jesus has overcome for us. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we thank you that you overcame sin and death on the cross. Because of that, Lord, we can face whatever hardship and difficulty come in this life. We can overcome, not by our own strength, not by our own power, but by the power that you give. And so, Lord, strengthen us. Steady us for our sufferings that we might endure all things for the sake of the gospel, the good news. Lord, Use us, use our lives and our testimonies for your name, for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus.